Welcome to the Key Wellbeing Podcast and our new series, Lunchtime Listens, where it's all about real clients, real employee wellbeing challenges, and of course, real expert advice. Let's get started. And this week, the topic is men's mental health. With men often renowned for their constant jeers, jokes, and jives in the workplace, it's easy to assume that everything's okay. But beyond the banter, is it really? There's some staggering stats on men's mental health that suggest otherwise. The latest one being that men are in fact struggling with anxiety more than ever, as found by new Booper research. We're joined today by the incredible businessman and award-winning digital leader, Dominic Lusardi, to talk about the taboo topic of mental health from a male's perspective. So without further ado, let's dive straight in. So welcome, Dom. How are you? Hi, Marie. I'm great. Thank you. Great to see you. Yeah, nice to see you too. I have to say it was awesome to see you on the panel last year. You were on the International Men's Day panel, um, sort of talking about men's mental health and just opening up those conversations. Did you enjoy that? I did, yes, actually. Yeah, I thought it was a really, really, really important day and you could see that it was a conversation that everyone wanted to have. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to break down those barriers to make it uh, allowable to have that conversation and not in a judgmental way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the the way that you spoke at that event was was really great. I think just sort of paving the way for people to be open about some things that might be a little bit uncomfortable for them. And it's just really great to have, you know, role models like you in the business community who are willing to speak up about that. So good work. Yeah, no, it's, and it's something that, as you know, I hold dear to my heart. I think, you know, to be the best business person you can, you, both, you need to be there both in heart and mind. Uh, and so you, know, you need to be able to... Uh, explain how you feel and be able to do it without judgment yeah absolutely well there's many studies out there that tell us and maybe some people would agree with this just in their own colloquial environment and and kind of understanding of men but there seems to be a slant towards men being less open and less able to talk about their mental health particularly in the workplace why do you think that is it's a, it's a really good question, one that has uh, bounced around for, uh, for a while. And I don't think there's a, there's one answer to it, but yeah, I think, I think there's, there's an element of macho-ness in there. There's an element of not showing uh, your weak uh, in there. Uh, I mean, I know from my own experiences uh, of uh, struggling to talk about it, is that you felt like you'd be judged. You know, you kind of you put on a bit of a pedestal as a, as a leader, as a business guy who's you know can take all, all the punches and keep on running at it and not in all honesty nobody's like that so you know i think it's there's an element of macho-ness that comes in there and i think there's an element of keeping appearances uh and letting that slide uh a little bit um but i also think that in there is it's the language and it's one thing that i've always felt you know coming from the world that uh things that i do if we don't have the right language to be able to explain, express how we feel and explain what it means, then it can feel really scary. It can feel something like you're interpreted in the wrong way or you've used the wrong language and people are going to hang on every single word that you've said. And in actual fact, it's quite a lot of getting it out and trying to massage what it is you're saying and understand it from your own point of view as well. So, yeah, I think for me, it's always been the key thing of if we can all speak the same language, if you break down those barriers, but I think guys really struggle to find that language that doesn't 
uh, affect their matchiness or their, 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 their impression of the person they think they are. Yeah, sort of threaten, like, yeah, who they think they are, the mask that they're sort of wearing every day. Like, we all wear masks to an extent, but, yeah, that's that's a really good point. So what would you say to men, then, that are struggling with their mental health at work and in, in that work environment? Um, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Um, well, I, I think recognising it in the first place is the most important thing because uh, you can't. it's hard to help somebody unless they want to be helped in the first place. So I think it, it's being, you know, from, from my experience, allowing yourself to not be judged and to find a way of uh, expressing how you feel in a way that isn't necessarily asking for a solution or asking for a, you know, it to be fixed, but just in a way of being able to express it in a way that is non-judgmental. Um, and I think, you know, and certainly uh, what my experience is, uh, men in senior positions often struggle just to have people to speak to. You know, they want to keep up the appearance, they want to keep the, the morale high, and they don't want the bosses to think that, you know, the boss isn't performing well, so, you know, is the business not performing well? So I think it's about creating that safe environment to be able to express it in uh, and giving you know, opportunities for it to be put across in a non-judgmental way. So creating that time uh, to have open conversations, I think is a, is a really, really important way. How you, how you do that in the business is, I suppose, different between different businesses, but it's those you know, kind of water cooler moments that, that you kind of refer to. It's being it's rather than just trying to say what you think everybody wants to hear from you, is actually just expressing it how you how you actually feel and then letting people in because in my experience when you do that they'll let you in as well and it starts to break down those barriers mm, that's a really good point and I like what you touched on there and this came from a you know client meeting yesterday how everyone needs support in the workplace but then we also need to support those people that are offering the support yes. let's say you've got mental health first aiders for example it's like well who supports them and it sort of ripples up and up and up into the organization, generally stopping at sea level. So you're right, like a lot sort of comes up and it's, you know, where do they go for support? So just having someone they can speak to or a professional or opening up to a family member or something like that can can really help. Yeah, I'm I'm guilty of it where I, you know, when I run the business uh, and when I work in business, I always say to people, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. <laughs> What I mean in that sense is very much related to the work problem uh, in there, uh, rather than uh, individual problems. But again, it can be interpreted very much in that. You, know, like, oh, you, don't, want my, you don't want my problems. Mm. What you're trying to say there is, it's not that, it's actually trying to say I'm here to help, but I'm not a miracle worker. Let me know how to help and what, what you feel like help is as well. And I think that's a really important way of people understanding that when they're actually asking for help, that. Sometimes they might not know. And it's fine to say, I don't know. I just need to express myself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That is a really important way of doing it. Do you think that men sort of, you know, want to solve the problem too quickly? It's like, well, if I don't have a solution, I can't, you know, open up about it. Or or even like the person, you know, being asked for support, if they don't know what the solution is, they just sort of freak out. Because, you know, in a lovely way, um, male energies generally want to fix things and solve things and move things forward. And that's fine. Uh, but mental health, you know, doesn't always have the solution right there. So do you think that sort of feeds into it as well? Yeah, well, I think you're absolutely right. Men are, uh, are fixers and they want solutions. You know, we can be quite, uh, 
I would refer to it binary in our approach and the black and white uh, in the way of doing it. Is there a solution? That's what I'll need to do. But it's it's a journey that you're on, you know, and there's numerous stops along the way uh, that you're going to have to deal with. And I think there's this want to just get it out of the way with, you know, like this, this is this mental health problem is getting in my way. So how do I get it out of my way quickly so I can get on with the next thing? You know, it's what I refer to the task-based world that we've all got so used to. And mental health is not a task. It's it's a feeling, it's an emotion. It comes from different ways. And you only start to feel that and express it when you start to open up about it. So, you know, I think you're very, you're very right there is that, you know, guys tend to rush to wanting the solution. But I think that's also a part of trying to show everybody else around them that they're capable and that, you know, that they're a, they, you can come to them as a resource and they'll be able to help you out and move that forward because, you know, over the many, many years, that's what getting us expected of guys, you know? Yeah, I, I experienced it myself. Uh, I became a dad and you, you want to fix the problems. You know, when things come up with the kids, you want to fix the problems, but you realize it's, it's time that's going to fix the problem. It's not anything that I do. Uh, and that's been a great learning lesson for me uh, along the way of you, know, you have to be emotionally uh, emotionally engaged and start to learn an emotional language rather than a theoretical or operational language. I love that. I think it's a really good perspective that a lot of people will be able to relate to. So thanks for sharing that. Um, taking it back to the workplace then, what do you think workplaces or employers can do to proactively support the males that are in the in the environment, in the working environment there? Well, um, I, is, this is a problem I've, I must have met, struggled with myself uh, for many years because how do you create that environment? Going back to what you were saying, the, I need to fix it, I need to get on. Uh, when you're in the work environment, often people just want to get on with their tasks. You know, I want to get on with a task and I want to get home and I can deal with it when I'm at home. But by the, you know, it just, it's just an ever-building, uh, you're compounding the problem. Uh, you know, you're not just solving it, you can't put it off. It's there and you put problems on top of that. So I think it's about, for me, about talking about mental health in generally and not just targeting men as part of it. It's creating a safe environment where there's an opportunity for people to express themselves, maybe a well-being hour, opportunity a space where people can just relax um you know the school i'm a chair of we have a well-being hour at school where children are able to come in pick up a book they can talk to somebody they can sit with the window open it's different ways in which you can support them which then means they start to express themselves in different ways there are triggers that make make us feel comfortable in different ways and i think it's trying to create a environment that isn't the rigor of the office uh, uh, ringing in the phone ringing it's kind of a safer environment where almost time is irrelevant you know and I know that's kind of counterintuitive because you're only giving it an hour of the day but what you're trying to say is uh, allow yourself to do this because by investing in yourself you will become more productive as a result of it so that time you're wasting there you'll get it back what you think yeah. is time wasted isn't it's time invested couldn't agree more. And it's funny that you just said there, like, oh, it's only an hour. I think that for many of us, we struggle to give ourselves 10 minutes <laughs> in a day <laughs> to take a whole hour would just make a, a huge difference, I'm sure. And it's a great initiative as well at the school that you're at. It's lovely to hear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. this was, you know, we spoke about, you know, the water cooler moments. And, you know, 
in the, uh, in the business, we might talk about, say, the football from the previous night, or uh, you're playing a game, and it's actually starting to open your mind up a little bit more and listen a bit deeper to what the person's expressing themselves rather than just what they did, but how they felt about it, because that's starting to give you an indication possibly about their own mental state and how their own emotional well-being is. And something that, you know, if, you, if your emotions aren't in the right place, working becomes counterproductive. Um, and so I've always felt that that is one of the things that if you feel comfortable and you feel happy, you're very productive. And it's, you know, businesses should realize by investing in that, they will actually get a greater productivity as a result of that. Yeah, that being said, that's really, really, really great. Um, so I want to take it back to you then, actually. So you've obviously given this a lot of thought and it's obviously something that you're aware that we all have to manage. Physical health is just as important as mental health, right? So what are some of the things that you, Dominic Lusardi, what do you do to manage your own mental health and well-being? Have you got any tips for other male business leaders? Yeah. Oh, good question. I mean, I, I found out the hard way, I must admit. Um, the way I've done it myself um, is give yourself those moments that we spoke about that as hours is actually just go, right, I'm not, I'm not productive and I've got to recognize when I'm not productive. I've got to step away from this and allow that void that we're all trying to fill all the time just to be a void. You know, half an hour's worth of nothingness is not a bad thing. You know, one of my things that I love to do, I go walking with my dog. It's, it, I can't tell you how good it is for me and I don't go out with headphones and don't check my phone. I listen to the birds tweeting in the uh, air trees the sound of the river and just become very in the moment and i found that was a trick that really helped me uh, when everything's building up and i can't quite put my finger on what it is the reason why is because there's so much volume whereas if you sound that out and get rid of it and give yourself those moments when you actually go back to it the first thing that comes to your mind is generally the thing that is really dragging you down tackle that and then all of a sudden that mountain that feels unclimbable is all of a sudden you've made the first step. And, you know, and you say it all the time is kind of, you know, we all try to say is take baby steps, but we look at those tasks and it's like, go from here to here. But no, you've got to break it down. And that's how I very much approach my own uh, uh, you know, well-being is understanding that I'm, I might not have good days, and I, but I might have good days in there. And it's a, the culmination of the effort that I put into that. Whereas... And you've known me where I've, I, I haven't done that and I haven't been to the gym and I haven't done those things and they really make me feel down and it's because I'm not investing in myself. So the thing that I would really uh, encourage anyone uh, to do is just take that moment to invest in yourself. The better you are, the better you are for other people and try to get rid of the guilt because there is a big, strong part that I recognise in myself, which you know, held me back and other people uh, around me is, was a guilt complex of I can't feel bad. I've, I don't have time to feel bad. You know, that's, no, I'm, that's not up to me. Everybody else can do that. I feel guilty for doing that. And actually, no, it's not guilt. It's a, it's allowing yourself to be in the moment and seeing what it does for you and trying to realize that that feeling of guilt might actually be just a feeling of uh, uh, uncomfortableness or something you've not done before. Mm, what a great insight! Yeah, that's a really that's a really good tip. I think that. 
it's funny, isn't it? That we never really allow ourselves the time just to stare into space or not be productive or just to sort of be. <laughs> so taking that time out is super important. We almost look at people strangely, don't we? Like, well, that person's not looking at a phone. They're not engaged in anything. Like, what's happening there? <laughs> yeah, I know, but having kids has taught me this massively. So as well, I'm just kind of looking at them wanting to get on the tablets. And I was like, no, no, let's just have a moment. And it's those moments that I've had with my family where you sit across the dinner table and there's nothing else there and somebody says something uh, really funny or, you know, there was a, a moment with my daughter last night and uh, I was putting her to bed and uh, she said, uh, Daddy, do you know where you are? And I'm like, oh, I'm in your bedroom, sweetheart. They're like, no, Daddy, you're in my heart. Oh. And it was just that moment and I thought, I'm not going to rush through that. I'm not going to put it to bed. I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to hold her for a couple of minutes because that was just so beautiful. And it made me feel so good about being dad that I wanted to enjoy that moment with her. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. That's okay. So my my kids are, I love my girls. I'm I'm very lucky to have uh, two uh, wonderful young girls that are uh, the apple of my eye uh, and really keep, keep me going. But also, they, they look after me, you know, they, if they see me looking sad, they'll come and put their arm around me. And I, I've i learned how to express myself to my children as well, rather than hold it back. And I've got to be this hard, hard-nosed business guy that's always on it. I'm just going, no, actually, I need to show that. There are times when I'm not uh, on form. There are times where I feel down. And it's okay to express that. Love it. Thank you so much. And one final question that we like to ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is one way that you think employers can create healthy, happy workplaces? Oh, now this is a really good question. Uh, I I think recognizing that you need to invest in it is probably the, the, the first thing I would say is realizing that this isn't about trying to take time away from people. You know, I've said it previously, I think, Businesses misunderstand the productivity that can come around from investing in well-being. And if companies were aware that increased productivity and increased happiness in the business actually leads to an increased bottom line, then that's where we start to see that big change. And I would like for you know businesses to recognize that, you know, when you come to the office nine to five, we don't all work from the very moment you're in to the very moment you leave, there are moments in there that you have where you interact. And actually valuing those moments as investing in your staff, lifting their morale and recognizing what makes them happy and what doesn't make them happy is a way to engage your team much better. You know, it's almost a tool in in itself for driving ambition and growth within the business. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. That's a yeah, really good tip. Um, so where can people find out more about you and your work and what you're up to at the moment? Well, um, so in various few places, I must admit, I'm, I do a full gamut of things at the moment. I'm from <laughs> uh, the governor at Middlesbrough College, chair of my children's school. Uh, I work with um, five SMEs uh, in a supporting role and I work at Durham University. So probably do, doing less a little bit at the moment and spending a bit more time updating what uh, updating my website to say what I'm doing. But if you were to have a look on Digital Thinkers, that's kind of a, a summary of the work that I'm doing. But I'm very much still active in uh, the Northeast and really just trying to help 
the creative and the tech sector, you know, just keep on pushing forward and creating that presence that I feel like it really has a massive impact in the rest of the country. It absolutely does. And we're very grateful for you pushing forward um, that agenda and pushing forward that awareness of the digital sector in Teesside. It's um, yeah, much appreciated as somebody, as a woman in tech, <laughs> much appreciated. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I can't help myself, to be honest with you. <laughs> There's so many good companies and so many good people like yourself in there that it's so it's easy to do. It's not, a, it's, not a hard, it's not a challenge, it's actually easy to do, which is why it's great to be involved in. Well, thank you so much, Dom, and thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you, as always, and we look forward to catching up with you soon. You're very welcome. Thanks for asking, Marie. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Key Wellbeing Podcast. Don't forget, we've got a whole library of free guides, toolkits, resources, and fortnightly lunchtime listens, just like this, with an epic lineup of guests, all to help you to create a healthy, happy workplace. Find it all on our website, www.keywellbeing.co.uk.